Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Guernsey Press Football Podcast. This week we reach the end of our countdown of Guernsey Football's Top 100, supported by DWA. It's a list which has sparked plenty of debate over the last three months or so, and I'm sure plenty of memories too of the players deemed to have made the greatest contributions to football in the island. With those who spent most of their careers in the professional game taken out of contention, including the likes of Len Duckman and Matt Letissier, a formula was used to rank the leading local players from down the decades, factoring in longevity, medals, raw skills and star quality. St Martin's legend Colin Renouf eventually emerged at the top of the pile as Guernsey's greatest ever domestic player. Ahead of revealing the top 10, Guernsey Press sports editor Rob Batiste sat down with three men who each have a wealth of local football knowledge to look back at their achievements and their special qualities. Saint stalwart Henry Davy, a multiple Marathi cap and himself number 83 on the list, former island manager Colin Fallais and Mark Letissier, now chairman of course of Guernsey FC. Here's that conversation then, recorded on a beautifully sunny afternoon out on the pitch at Blanche Pierre Lane. Right, hi gentlemen. We'll start with um, Ross Allen, um, and I think it'd be quite appropriate, um, given the fact that you've seen him at close quarters for the last ten years and plus. Mark, is um, for you to t- lead the debate, Mark. What do you think about Ross? Uh, Ross is uh, obviously. His goals speak for themselves, but um, it's it's not just that. It's it's his dedication uh, to the game. You know, he he lives and breathes it. And he, even today, in his mid thirties, you know, he's still cliff running, making sure that he's fit for when the season starts again. But um, just his uh, his quality uh, in front of goal and the goals he's able to create as well. Um, it, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, to watch over the last ten years. Um, so I think uh, we've been very fortunate uh, at Guernsey FC to have a player um, of his quality, um, and at the end of the day, he wins games for you, and uh, uh, and that what that's going to always make the difference in any team. Of course, you played in the same Rangers team, I believe, as his father. I um, did. How would you compare Ross with Craig? I think. Uh, Craig was a far more uh, aggressive player than than Ross uh, turned out to be, um, but, and his uh, his close control they both had that in tight situations and they were able to uh, to create opportunities and goals from from nothing. Um, uh, but I think uh, Ross's work rate uh, probably would um, uh, be a lot higher than what uh, Craig was. Uh, but I played with Craig towards the end of his career, so obviously if he was here through his 20s, he may well have uh, uh, worked a lot harder than he did as he got older. I'm sure if he'd seen Craig that 10-year period when he was away, we would have he would have been a lot higher on this list. We oh, probably sure. we missed his golden years for sure. You've seen a, quite a bit of Ross H as a GFC occasional yeah. fan. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, I think he's uh, he definitely deserves a place in the top 10. That's for absolute certain. You know, his goals speak for itself, and uh, and agree with what Mark said. He, you know, he's 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 a really pleasant lad. He came up here. We we were hoping he was going to come and play for us when the uh, when the lockdown came with Guernsey FC and uh, he was up here a couple of times socially and uh, he came across and shook hands and one thing or another and really nice lad. Mm. And of course there was that goal he scored at the track in the Marathi. Oh. oh, 
not that long ago, but it was, I can't believe there was probably a, a better Marathi goal ever. What do you reckon, guys? I can't think of one. Not that I can remember, but... Not as, not as an individual goal. No. Picking the ball up on halfway, tearing down the tearing down the right wing, beating a couple of men, then cutting inside, beating two or three more men, and then smacking it with his weak, weaker net. foot. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't have a weaker foot, though. He had so much pace. I think that's the thing with Ross is he's still got you know, some of it, but we know that Mark... You know, it's probably gone a little bit, but for me, I think you know the big difference between his dad and him was that electric pace off the first three yards. Mm. Craig was definitely, uh, you know, uh, what we might have called in the early days as a bit of a goal hanger. You know, Craig was about scoring goals. That's what he wanted to do all the time. Often played with his back to goal. Was strong. You know, uh, was quick, but it wasn't that electric pace. But Ross has got electric pace. He goes past people like. And he was prepared to conserve energy. Yeah, he, he, he <laughs> was the player at yeah. that time. He, he yeah. was a player that, you know, quite, you know was... Um, I mean, I, I knew him, Craig, as a younger player coming through, like a Val Rec. And, um, well, I know him pretty well because I was his best man. Mm. So, um, you know, he was a player who actually just wanted to score goals. That was what he was about at all. You know, if he could go and play in a game at school and lose 6-5, but he scored all five... He would be quite pleased. Yeah. So he was a goal scorer. I think Ross is more of a team player, as you I, say, Mark. I played, yeah, I played against uh, Craig when he went to Rangers and I was coming through as um, a youth player at the rec. So we did play a couple of youth games against each other and, and so I had to mark him. And to be honest, it wasn't that difficult until he got the ball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was tricky. But, uh, yeah, he, he, you know, it wasn't hard work marking him because he didn't he, he didn't really uh, go too far. But as soon as he got the ball, then, you know, you, you knew you had to be uh, on your game if you were going to stop him. But he was, uh, yeah, a fantastic player, fantastic. Right, next in our list of our alphabetical top ten, we've got Peter Blondel. We won't, we'll stay away from Mark for a second, seeing as the, fam, the family link. We'll go over to another old Valrec man, in um, Colin, you would have seen Peter emerging um, as a 17, 18 year old and into a very, very strong club side. What do you think? What do you remember of Peter? My, my first recollections, to be honest, of Peter was when he was coming through as a, as a young 15, 16 year old and he was playing from the youth two side. He was coming to play in our youth one side, our under 18s. Um, and then he was like this very tall, thin boy, really, who, who as I say, always seemed to have a a cold and a hanky in his hand but within about a year of that when he got to 16 16 and a half he'd really filled out um playing you know very regularly um and obviously was a tremendous defender was a motivator you know um his involvement in the game he loved a, a goal obviously he was getting taller and stronger in the air but you could see at that age as soon as he started moving up and of course when he got to 17 he was part of the senior side part of senior Marathi sides this was a special player you had on your hands you know and he was he went on to be you know, let's be fair about it. I think one of our best two centre-halves ever, in my view, but yeah, fantastic player. Henry, you would have played against him, probably? Uh, yes, yeah, still got a few bruises. And uh, no, he was he was a, always a good opponent to play against. You know, you knew what you were going to get. You were going to get whacked and uh, and you whacked him back and you know, you walked off at the end and you shook hands. But uh, no, very, very strong. Um, and, uh, you know, he, could, he, he was... A bit the same as Colin Redov. He could play up front as well if you, if they were if Rec were trailing and they were looking for goals, they could bang him up there. And he's just as likely to score you a goal. And uh, you know him and Kevin Legally, um, which in those days um, 
you know, Saints and Records, it was like a fight. It was like a battle every game. I mean, when we all got sent off, and I don't think I don't think Peter was playing in that one, but uh, um, the, the two of them, they raised quite a lot of social events between the two clubs, and everybody thought, you know, we didn't get on, but most of us got on uh, really well. He was, you know, he was a very good opponent. I was, you know, I mean, I know him well now with golf and one thing or another, and uh, yeah, he's a good lad. He could certainly hit a free kick. Yeah, he did have a, a hell of a shot, but I can, I can actually remember playing against him uh, when he was playing for Saints uh, oh, towards the end yeah, of his yeah, career, yeah. and he was playing up front and I had to mark him, <laughs> and that that was quite interesting. It was quite a, a tough battle uh, because I was a, a different centre-half to, to Pete, and I, I didn't do the rough and tumble that he did, and of course he knew that. And uh, so we did have quite a, an interesting game. But, but he, he was one of those players, and um, you say about motivating you, um, he, he did it in a different way to Chris Dyer would do it. Um, but but to, I played with him at Centre-Alpha at the Valrec for a period, uh, and he would give you quite a lot of grief. And But you, what you had to do is you had to turn around and tell him to shut up, get on with his own game and leave you alone and... And sometimes that I, different players reacted different ways, uh, so you had to stand up to him if you didn't like it. But, yeah. uh, but he, you know, he was uh, he was superb, and um, you know, he was very dominating in in games and in intensity of football as well. And of course, then you build up that reputation, and uh, and people just see that. But I think Pete was a lot more than that. A lot of people say he wouldn't have coped with today's game because of the way he played, but good good players, they, they are able to adapt. And, and Peter would definitely have adapted to any uh, any type of football. And uh, As an aside story, Peter and, uh, and I played in the same Capel school, uh, Capel's Youth Club 5 side team when we went all the way to the National 5 side finals in the Albert Hall. And on the way, we in the Southern Championship, somewhere, I can't remember exactly, in, in, in south-west London, we had a round robin competition to get to the final, and um, we won. But we won't. Peter managed to cause a riot, unfortunately. <laughs> because, Doesn't surprise me. Because Peter was, you know, we, we, it was a delicate situation that day, shall we say, in some of the um, in some of some of the things that were going on. And Peter didn't do delicacy. And um, and um, anyway, it was quite um, interesting escape from the the centre afterwards to get away from them because it. Well, it, it but Peter thought it was all great fun at the time. Imagine what Dave Follow was thinking about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyway, moving on. Um, somebody you know very well, Henry. Jerv. Colin Jervais Brazier, your teammate for many, many years. Yeah. And the only goalkeeper in this top ten. Yes. Funnily enough, I saw, I saw him this morning and uh, I said to him when we were doing this podcast thing, I didn't, and he said, uh, I said, are you hoping to get in the, the top sort of ten? Well, it would be rather nice, rather nice. I said, and, uh, uh, yeah, he was... Uh, he wouldn't be able to play in today's games. I'll tell you that now because when you know you could pass the ball back to the goalkeeper, he could pick it up and then he could throw it or he could kick it or whatever. But Jerv with his ball played back to his feet, you wouldn't know what's going to happen next. You know he wouldn't uh, he wouldn't have controlled it. He would have he would have lost it. And um, and he, he also had uh, he didn't have very good eyesight. Funnily enough, <laughs> not very good for a goalkeeper. Yeah, but but I mean he wasn't particularly he wasn't particularly tall goalkeeper but he's great, uh, shot, he's stopper, great yeah. shot stopper and he's he's reading the game um i think a lot of it was down to his his coaching at uh, elizabeth college with jack reddish because uh, i mean in his first opt-in 
he came out and he caught, I think it was a guy called De Grouchy from Oakland, and uh, he came out. And when Jervy used to come out, he'd go jump and he'd catch the ball like that. And as he came down, his elbows would come down like that. And he came down, bang, broke his collarbone. And that was them 10 men for the rest of the match. Saints 1 4 1. But no, excellent goalkeeper. The he was a great organiser, wasn't he? Uh, yes, probably. He's very vocal. Oh, he's very vocal, yeah. But the trouble is, half the time he was shouting out, you'd be coming, you'd be standing alongside him in the penalty area and he's saying, Henry, Henry, come back, come back. I'm Joe Vermeer. Oh, oh, right, right, right. <laughs> you know, but, uh, but no, he was, he was the best. He's the best of the goalkeepers I've seen over here. You know, you, Chris Hamill, you know, was very good. Um, James Hamill and that, but but Jerv was in uh, in a time when when goalkeepers would get knocked around quite a bit, especially if they were playing against me. But uh, um, what was he like in the dressing room? Was he a leader? Uh, no, not really. No, he was he was he was quite quiet really. Um, there was there was only one person in the dressing room that made decisions. And we'll come on to him later. You will be speaking to about him later. Yeah. Do you remember much about um, Jerv, Colin? I do. I was just going to sit in here thinking, only I remember coming down to, uh, coming up to Blanche Pierre Lane. Um, it was probably about 14 then, I suppose, maybe something like that. Um, and Jerv was in goal. And I remember this goalkeeper uh, in this black and white check cap yeah. standing on the 18 yard box. And I was thinking, he's a goalie, isn't he? What's he doing out there? You know, basically, and he just was bellowing to everybody and running the show, really. And as Henry says, uh, you know, I don't ever really remember him having a pass back in the sense that he'd ever have to deal with with his feet. But one thing I do remember about him is he had a heck of a throw on him. Oh yeah, he could deliver a ball, you know, from there to the halfway line easy. Like he just, and he used to do it quite a lot. Henry used to pick the ball up and make these fantastic throws. And I thought, you know, then you used the word before charisma. And that's what stood out for me was this guy, you know, he's just standing behind the place, just, you know, and, and I'm sure some of the other players probably slightly got put off by this guy who was, seemed to be running everything, you know, shouting, and he was like... I, I probably, he was I probably didn't listen. <laughs> <laughs> but no, he, he was tremendous. But I think, for me, when I was looking, I was saying about Henry, if you don't mind me saying, he mentioned about Chris before. You know, and Chris was definitely one of the... It was him because I put him away. Chris Hammond. Would be one of my two best goalkeepers in a, if I was picking a best 11 ever, you know. Mm. And I think partly it was because Chris was good in the air. He was strong, you know, and he could come for balls. And, you know, of course, Jerv didn't have to do that much with Colin. No. Colin cleared everything. Yeah. So it was true to say that mm. Henry's saying he wasn't that tall. And it probably never mattered because they, they cleared it with Colin. Yeah. And so I just what I would just say, but he was a fantastic goalkeeper and the reflex, team, I thought was great. reflex saves yeah. I remember as a kid of course you're talking of Valrec and Chris Hamill then Mark you played in front of some ahead of some good goalkeepers yeah. Chris Hamill Dave Jones yeah well Dave Jones was a little bit before my time but I do remember obviously going to watch him as uh, when I was a youth player and uh, and he was he was quality oh. he was only here for a a short time, but he, he was brilliant. But uh, yeah, Chris was uh, great to, to play. Uh, have it, let, it's great to have him behind you because quite often he'd have to pull us out because <laughs> we were quite an attacking side, so we left ourselves uh, open quite a lot. But uh, no, he, he was quality, and but he was good with his feet as well, which um, which you know as the game has changed, um, he would have coped quite well. But today. 
But no, he, he was fantastic. Some of the, the saves that he pulled, especially when we were uh, starting to take take part in the um, FA Vars and the uh, Hampshire Senior Cup, you know, he really raised his game in 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 those uh, in those matches, and uh, so it did make a difference in uh, quite a few of our uh, our wins that we got in those games, and especially against Jersey, you know, that certain players playing big games, and Chris was certainly one of those. Right, gentlemen, we'll um, move on to Les Collins next. Um, clubs, Belgraves and Rangers, appearances 463, 315 goals, two Uptons, 13 years apart, and a record 25 Marathi appearances with 10 goals. He was quite some player, Henry. You would remember him. Yep, yeah, I got to know Les very well. I worked at Fruit Export, and um, him and his wife, June, used to come in and clean the offices uh, after work, and... Uh, Sometimes we'd be working late and one thing or another and chat to him. And because his dad, Sid, was big Belgraves um, player. Um, well, he was, I think he was their president. And um, so, as I say, I got to know Les quite well. And old Sid showed me the uh, little photo frame with the cheque for £3,000 from Arsenal, which never got cashed because he didn't, didn't go away. He didn't... Uh, but that's what they... They were offering him three thousand pounds in the early sixties or even late fifties yeah. was a huge amount. Wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I can remember walking down to the track as a, as a nipper sort of thing. Went down, got down there, and somebody said, "Oh, Les Collins is injured. He's not playing." And you were sort of deflated because he was an entertainer. Um, if you look look back over the years, you know the professional size. You remember Hento when he played for Real Madrid. Well, Les Collins was a bit like that. He used to do this thing. I don't know how he did it. He used to sort of flick it up over his head, uh, back heel it over, and it came over his head and run onto it. And phew, I mean, strong as, a, as an ox, you know. I mean, everybody. Well, you know, he's was boxing. a champion boxer, wasn't he's he? Champion yeah. boxer. Um, and uh, I actually only ever played with him once, and that was well, roughly where we are now. Uh, he was on the left wing, and it was an Ireland fourth eleven or something like that. And they had a lot of, you know, a few youngsters in it and then older ones. And I scored a hat-trick and all of them were crosses from Les Collins. And all you had to do was just make sure you got contact with your head because it was coming across so hard, you know. <laughs> but he, uh, a lovely man, a really, really lovely man. And I think, he, from what I hear, he was renowned for his practice and, and, and drills down at the um, Ball Avenue of oh, Express yeah. <laughs> Well, he used to run around this in in the store and one thing or another, sometimes with a football. But one night I came out and it was dark and I walk out in the store and I can hear this thump, 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 thump. I thought, what's that? So I flicked the lights on like that and it was Les with boxing gloves on, punching uh, big big plastic wrap pails of peat. And he was practising his boxing like, like a punch bag sort of thing. And... Uh, <laughs> put the fear of God up me as I was walking out. Well, I believe he used to use those sheds as well for his shooting practice as well at night. Yeah, I think he used to. He used to. He spent a lot of time, you know, in there, especially when the weather was bad and one thing or another. And uh, but no, he was. Um, he was. He was. He was an entertainer. Uh, you know, there was. I can always remember, like when I first started going watching football as a nipper sort of thing, with him on one side and Harry Fuller on the other side. Um, on, you know, in the Marathi teams. And old John Arlott, I always used to call him Harry Fala. <laughs> and uh, I always remember that. I say, my dad uh, told me a few stories about him because he played with him at the Bells yes, yeah. when he, my dad was coming through as a youngster. And he said, he, he said how strong he was in the air. 
he said. But what he was very good at, he said, because I was a youngster and I used to get kicked about a little bit. He said, um, the fullback maybe used to do it once or twice, he said, and then Les used to come across, have a quiet word with the fullback, he said, and I was all right after that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he said, uh, I never got I kicked again. <laughs> well, one of the ones you've already had on there, well, further back was Ken Carter. Well, Ken Carter worked for Holmes and Son, and of course Holmes and Son were like a competitor to fruit export, but they used to come in and pick up stuff from us. And uh, old Ken Carter was always used to be saying to they, like they were say they were playing bells, were playing Rangers at the weekend. He says, oh, "I'm going to kick your son." He says tomorrow, and uh, and old old Les Sid had turned around and say, "He says, I don't think so," because he said, "You'll never catch him." <laughs> <laughs> I worked with uh, Ken when I left school at uh, at RJD Uri, and he was a character oh. then oh, in the irrigation department. Oh. Yeah, but he was a strong, oh, he was, strong. He was strong but, but you wouldn't mess, Les, Les mess Collins, with him. Les Collins was really, you know, and he trained and trained. He, his fitness levels were pro- probably higher than anybody in that era. Mm. He was a professional in an amateur's game, I think, wasn't he? Yeah. And when you think, you know, he died so young and he was so yeah. fit, it oh, just yeah. didn't make sense. No, so that no. really didn't make sense. He's one of those players shame. who you, you know, I never saw him play really, you know, so you wished you had. He was one of these legends. Yeah, that I you, agree. you know, I've read a lot about him. You know, yeah. I've read about his boxing. People told me about his fitness, yeah. um, and all that sort of stuff. And and you just think, God, I wish I'd seen him play. You yeah, know, because I'm yeah, sure he great. would have been, wow, yeah. one to do that to. You know, and so and a gentleman with it. Well, yeah, I've too, never yeah, heard anybody yeah. say anything yeah. bad about. And him if I remember, I did. I used to see him a bit. You know, if I remember right, he was was quite smart as well. Stood upright. He never looked. You know, he looked the part. You know, yeah. which was great. Talking of Belgraves and um, players and also left-footed players, um, next on our list to discuss is somebody who started out their career at Bells but largely um, was very successful uh, forging his reputation at the Corbett Field with um, Chris Dyer. Mark, you would have played a lot with Chris. Oh, I did, yes. So right through the uh, through the 80s, uh, Chris was the, the captain of the side, natural leader, um, you know, you, if you uh, you weren't doing what you were supposed to be doing, he he made sure that you did it. Uh, but he was able to do it in different ways to different players. So uh, uh, if somebody needed an arm around their shoulder, then he would do that. Um, Chris wasn't most gifted footballer, you know, on the ground uh, with the ball. Uh, but he knew what his limitations were. He would win the ball, make sure uh, if he did get the ball to his feet, he would give it to somebody else. Um, to, to Lawrence uh, Graham or Carla Tissier or Neil Lenay, he would make sure he found those and they would be the, the players that would play. So he knew what his limitations were in that respect. But, um, you know, he was a giant in the end, that midfield. You know, he, he didn't lose uh, many headers. Um, and um, the, the one big thing he had uh, about him in interests of football, he hated jerseys. <laughs> I mean, Still with, does. with a passion, <laughs> with a passion, yeah, yeah. and and you know, uh, and I'm sure that's what drove him, drove him on in uh, in Muratis and why he wanted to play in so many. Mm, yeah, 549 club appearances, 136 goals, 24 Muratis, eight times Premier League winner. Um, but where where would you consider his best position though? Was he in your mind? Was he central midfielder or was he a centre back? Because he played both for Guernsey, of course. Uh, centre midfield, definitely centre midfield. That's where he was most effective for the team. Yeah. yeah. And Colin, did you? You must have picked him in some of your Marathi sides. Oh yeah, oh yeah, he's definitely. He was my captain three times, I believe, and uh, 
I, I picked him and also actually um, had a year coaching him when I went back to Valrec. So he was still playing there when I went back, you know. Actually, as I remember Chris coming to Valrec when I was there as a player and he came, I don't know how old he was, but he was pretty young then when he came, I think. He, yeah. And he came from Bells and I think this is a measure of what Chris has achieved really and if young players could think about this. Um, he came to, to, to Valrec as a player from Bells and he wanted to get in, you know, and actually that year he was playing in the Jackson. He, he wasn't quite getting in the first team. And, you know, a lot of players, you know, you know, what Chris did was he went back to the Bells for another year and he played. He played pre football And he played pre football yeah. yes. And he came back to the Vale Rec and he got in and he never looked back. And I think this is one of the things that, you know, with Chris is, and I agree with what, what uh, Mark is saying. You know, I'm sure Chris wouldn't mind me saying this. He'd say, you know, he was not the most technically gifted footballer. He, he wasn't, but you know, the point was he made up for it incredibly with his passion, his his will to win, you know, making you play and encouraging the team to just keep keep playing, you know, and that's what Chris had in him. And I think this is, a, this is when you think about it, if you're talking about someone who wasn't like a, a just a natural, and yet he's gone on to be one of our highest Marathi appearance players, you know, many many Prio wins appearances and a lot. You know, would say Chris, you know, amazing player for us as well through through those years, and he did that with from here, from from inside, and lots of players we've seen in the years. Quite, he was a good player, and that young lad was good, but actually they were good for a year or two maybe, and they they never stuck at it. But what Chris did was he came from a level that was maybe slightly lower than those players, and he lifted himself to a level, and that's what got him through. And I think that's what's made him everywhere look at him so highly, Chris, because he kept working like that all the time. I think he knew that he had gifted players around him. He did play in a, in a good yeah. team and that always helps, but sometimes players like that, they try and do too much yeah, yeah. Um, and, and then that detracts from what they're really good at. Chris didn't do that. You know, he, he, he stuck by what he knew. Well, and uh, it, Sorry, Mark. It's interesting. Yeah. As I remember Mark saying before, you know, he, Chris knew he'd win it and he'd give it to Lawrence or he'd give it to Carl and whatever, which is obviously a great team player. He knows what to do. And funnily enough, you know, before that, it's a very similar role that Art LePage played in the middle of the Valrec team as well. Art was not a gifted footballer, but he won the ball and he gave it to Milko or he gave it to Goosey or he gave it to, you know, players out wide and, and they played. And, you know, Chris knew to do that. But I would say also, Mark, that he was a great central midfield player. But when he actually dropped back into the centre-half position for a couple of years, you know, he was still as strong and as, as aggressive and still a, a really, really good player. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he wasn't affecting the game quite so much, but he was still... A yeah. good, a good player, you know. Yeah. You know, as far as like Saints were concerned, uh, I always looked that Jack Martel was a similar sort of player to uh, Chris Dyer. Not the most gifted, but by God, did he work in games and one thing or another. I mean, when you think in uh, that Marathi replay in '66, he broke his ribs in the first three minutes, but he didn't tell anybody. He carried on playing, and um, yeah, and uh, and Chris Dyer was the same. I mean, I think you'd have had to. Hit him with a sledgehammer to stop him, uh, right. stop him playing. And while we're talking of players with plenty of heart, they don't really come much more on that front than chap who shares the same name as one of our panel here today, big foul Colin Fallows. H, he's weird. I know he played for North initially, but obviously he made his name at St Martins, um, and you must have seen him uh, more than hundreds of times and saw hundreds of his goals. What, what would you say about Fowl? I'd say Fowl wasn't one of the greatest, um, you know, technicians as far as football was concerned. But I mean, he was 
fantastically fit. He could jump higher than virtually anybody. And um, I played against him up here at, um, when he was playing for North. And I always remember Percy Breo took a corner down this side and he knocked it over. And I thought, oh, that's gone too high. Oh, no, Falais. I turned and jumped. The next thing I knew, I woke up in uh, in the dressing room in there <laughs> and got taken down, taken down to hospital and had eight stitches put in my ear. And uh, one of the first people to come and see me that night was Fal. And um, Fal and I have been uh, very good friends uh, for, for a long time. We played cricket with him. Um, took him up. To, we went up to Alderney to play cricket and um, Alan Lewis... Announced to everybody that this is this is this man's just won the super, he won the super superstars superstars thing, you know. And of course, Fal hated all that sort of, you know, he didn't like any. And and also that night was the first time that he'd actually drunk any alcohol other than like say a, a beer. And the boys got him on uh, these spirits, and um, <laughs> Fal was not in, <laughs> not very well, <laughs> but a, a great competitor. Um, and he, you know he's gone on he's coaching wise and one thing or another. I wouldn't say he's the greatest uh, technician or tactical coach, but by Christ, if you play for you play for for him, you know you've got to be fit. You've got to give a hundred percent right the way through the game. And uh, and of course, a bit like Neil Hunter, he benefited greatly from having a great service from the from the flanks and particularly Lawrence Graham when yeah. when he started, wasn't he? I mean Lawrence could put the ball put the ball on on a on a pin and yeah. um Fowl was great at actually getting on the end of those crosses. Yeah. You must have played against him many times. Yeah right? I did. I played against him a heck of a lot. Um and he was he was tough, uh but he was fair and uh so I always had a, a good battle with him and uh I really did enjoy playing against Fowler, I have to say. He he, he was <laughs> he won't like me saying, but he is a gentleman really. Yeah. Uh, uh, he's, he's a lovely a lovely man yeah. and uh, and he was great to play against. But uh, I played with him in the Ireland side uh, as well and I can remember he was one of I didn't know him very well at the time, but we went away on a on a trip. I think we were playing four games. We were playing this game down at HMS Daedalus down in Portsmouth. I'd never shared a dressing room with Fowl before. And he got changed, and I thought, oh, I ain't sitting next to him. Oh, the, his body, <laughs> it's just his physique was unbelievable. He was so fit. and uh, but, he, but he's been, uh, obviously, I've now grown up with Fowl for a, a lot of my time in football. I've been uh, in and around him, and uh, especially with uh, Guernsey FC and... Uh, He's a absolutely absolute legend, um, and uh, and not just in football. You know, uh, you can't that everywhere he goes, you know, people love him, and uh, so he, I think we've been so lucky in Guernsey to have somebody like Fowl around yeah. for all these years. What do you think of your namesake then, Colin? Well, I, I echo everything guys have said really, and I think again, Colin is one of these people that young players should look up to. You know, if you want to get on in the game. Go and have a look what Colin Fallows did, you know, and listen to him, and he'll help you a lot because he does a lot with the kids now, you know. And uh, yeah, it, Colin, in my view, is is a great example. And you know, when you think a lot of people, I don't know, Henry probably knows this, but he started off as a goalkeeper um, when he was actually at school. He's a bit younger than me, and um, I remember he, he was quite short. He wasn't that tall. And and he, who and was he, the centre forward in that school team? Uh, Roger Froome. 
I don't remember <laughs> that being there. the case. Reverse rules. I don't remember <laughs> that being the case. There. I've, I've seen a, there was a, a school <laughs> photograph sorry, of, and there's the team standing up there like that. And all of a sudden, there's this person that's about two foot higher than everybody else, and that was Roger Froome. Yeah, and, it could well be true. I don't and know And I that. think Froome played out, and uh, Fowl played in goal. Fowl wasn't very big. But he wasn't, and it, but he was a great cat of a goalkeeper. He would throw himself everywhere, but he got fed up because kids in those days were playing on goals this big, you know, at school, and, and he was getting beaten over his head, and I know he just got fed up, so I'm going and play up up front, you know. And, and of course, the, the next thing is he had two years of standing and somewhere where he shouldn't have been and went like that. And he came, you know, everybody went, oh, Fell's six foot now. This is a bit different. So he changed, you know, but a great goal, but a fantastic, uh, you know, example to kids. 19 Marathi appearances, 16 Marathi goals, but he didn't always play up front. I um, mean, occasionally played midfield. He was a workhorse of the team. Do you know who was, who came up with that idea? Was it you, Colin, or was it Tony? Tony Blondel beforehand? It wasn't me. It might, have been it, it, might have been it wasn't it might have me. Been no, 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 no. It was, that wasn't my yeah, idea. I remember. Fell would have been up front. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, uh, for me, in 1985, um, when we won 4-3 and Big Fell scored the winner um, in the last few minutes of the game. I mean, for me, that personally, that was uh, the highlight of my my career, uh, and it was a hell of a game. We'd gone three nil up, um, and Jersey had got back to three all, and. Uh, uh, we managed to uh, to get the win in the last few minutes. Yeah. Big foul got up at the far post and headed it down. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was, well, it was, yeah, trademark really. Yeah, it was. Yeah, but, uh, uh, but that was fantastic uh, that day, I have to say. And uh, Marathi day, he's, a, he's another Chris Dyer really. Oh. You know, he comes alive and uh, he's a real handful. And in in those days, you know, Jer- Jersey were quite strong in midfield and. We're playing against Vincenti every every <laughs> every year and and those sort of players and um, you know they they were able to hold their Peter own. Peter Taylor easily. was another one. Wasn't Peter it? Taylor, yeah. But uh, so we had some terrific inter-inter battles. Yeah. Well, continuing the striker theme, we move on to somebody that Mark knows very very well. His one of his little brothers, Kevin Letitia, Um Clubs Valrec North, Bells Rovers. Club appearances, 345, 356 goals, 20 Marathis, 22 goals. To score more goals in both Marathis and club football is an absolutely exceptional record. Colin, you saw him firsthand. What do you reckon? Best ever. The best ever? Best ever for me, yeah. Kevin um, would have definitely should have had a professional career, in my view. Could have played for England, and I mean that. In fact, I've been put down a lot of times by telling people this in discussions, but actually, I think Kevin was as good as Matt at goal scoring. I think he had that level to me. He could do what he wanted in football matches, Kevin, when he wanted to. Um, and now, if Kevin had had, say, a Chris Dyer or a Fell attitude to him, there's no doubt in my mind that he would have played for England because. This guy scored goals that much of the day I've never even seen. <laughs> That's a fact. You know, he could do anything on a football pitch if he wanted to. I remember once when he was playing for me at North, we were playing in a Jeremy game against... It was... It was um, let me think. My memory's going a little bit here. It, it was a side we should have been beating anyway, and we were 3-0 down, and we were in trouble. You know, and I, I called him over, you know, and I said, Kevin, look, 
what, what's going on, mate? You know, we're in real trouble here. And he said, OK, Phil. And he went and scored a hat-trick. And it's to me, is that it, this is what you could do. Like He just tore sides apart when he wanted to, really. So I just think, you know, I, I know I'm raving about him a bit, but I just think the guy is absolute class. No, I, I think you're very fair in your your um, assessment there, Colin. I can remember as a young lad growing up in the Janet estate seeing all the Letitia boys and I'm playing a lot of knockabout football with Mark, Kevin and Carl. Not Matthew because he was a bit too young for us at that stage and we told him to go away. I seem to remember one stage, you're too young. But Kevin was absolutely fantastic absolutely fantastic Mark you saw him obviously you played football hours and hours of football with him yeah absolutely the thing uh, about the uh, the numbers that you're talking about there is that he left Van Rijk over the side of the 80s and he wasn't he scored all of those goals he wasn't playing for the top side in that era uh, and if he if Colin Fallows hadn't taken him away from the wreck um, then he would have had even better 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 <laughs> <laughs> Uh, even better numbers. Uh, actually, Mark, I should mention that, and that's really good. It's very remiss mm. of me not to have said that, actually. In, in How Kevin's, much did you offer him? He came, oh. he was at the Vale Rec and he was scoring goals like there was no tomorrow. He was top scorer in the league, and he came to virtually the bottom team in the league. He did, that's right. And I think he still got 24 or 26 that season. Mm. That's the amazing mm. thing about it. So this is why I say the guy... Sorry, Mark, I forgot no, to no, say that. No, Thank you right. for bringing that up. But, yeah, and I, and I think that's really testament to what he, he was able to, to achieve and, uh, uh, and and quite often a lot of those goals they were he made them himself you know he, it wasn't that he was playing in the best team at the time no. so you know he had to work hard for, for those goals but he didn't always work hard and in some games as a coach I'm sure it must have been frustrating uh, but when he was on it you know, he, he was he was fantastic. But that you know, he, he, we taught him a lot. You know, I, me and my dad, we taught him a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, if Kevin had been around in the GFC era, how much better side would GFC have been because of it? What with Ross as well? With Ross we as well. We wouldn't be at step four. Step four. We wouldn't be at step. We four wouldn't be at step four. So. No, because goals win games uh, and we would have got enough points to uh, to go to have gone on from there uh, especially with the you know the, the initial side that we had um, if we'd have had Kevin as well uh, and that's what we said uh, at the Valrec we, we lost Kevin uh, and we we still did well in the Vars and, and in the uh, Hampshire Senior Cup but if we'd have had him how much further we could have gone I think we'd got to the last 16 in the Vars and we didn't really realise what we'd achieved back then uh, and the uh, same as when GFC got to the uh, the semi-final. It, at that time, I don't think we really understood uh, what we'd done. But and, but Kevin would have made that difference. He'd made that step difference for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it was just he's probably just... Kevin just enjoyed life, eh? He, he, he still he, does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You could uh, all do. And, uh, <laughs> and, and that's the difference between him we'll say and uh, others that have gone away that you know like, like Scotty that's away now Alex Scott I mean he, he, he's you know he's totally sort of dedicated and uh, it's different now yeah. uh, Henry but back in those days it wasn't so easy to go away and, no. and and to play football and you didn't have those opportunities and and back in those days clubs in the UK that they had players like Kevin on their doorstep maybe not quite like Kevin but they had those sort of players so that they did 
they didn't give the opportunity for people from the Channel Islands. But he did impress when he went, Mark, didn't he? He did. Yeah, he went to he went to a few clubs. He was at at Sunderland and. Did not go to Oxford as well. He went to Oxford as well. They were very impressive. Yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, but it takes more than ability to make yeah. it at that level, and uh, so there was something obviously not quite, quite right, and uh, um, it was a real shame. But uh, I, I, it, in some ways, I was um, yeah, I feel sorry for my mum and dad because uh, you know Kevin and Cole both had those uh, those uh, opportunities and they didn't take them. Um, so I was really pleased when uh, you know Matt, Matt was able to to see it all the way through, and uh, so. Uh, yeah, I think yeah, actually, if you think about it, the clubs shouldn't have been going for the player; they should have been going for the mum and dad. <laughs> actually, that would have been the secret. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Are, you, are you trying yeah. to are you trying to say that mum and dad had some influence on uh, on what we did? Yeah, you, just a bit. <laughs> and you, and by the way, Mark, your dad was a hell of a good player as well. Like, so come on. Colin mentioned at the start there that he felt that that Kevin could have played for England. Obviously, your Matthew played for England. Would you? What do you think? Do you think you could have done it's, it? it's really difficult, obviously, uh, being a member, a family member, to, to, to say such things like that. Uh, but I don't see any reason why not. You know, um, as I said, uh, goal scorers, uh, you know, every club, every country wants a goal scorer, and, uh, and there's no doubt he would have been able to score at, at any level. So, uh, so, yeah, if he'd have had that right attitude uh, and then I think uh, yeah there's no reason why once he became professional that you know he wouldn't uh, uh, have made it all the way from one great striker to another um, another big game player John Lobridge Henry you played with him most of his career and his record is quite fantastic as well 369 club appearances 303 goals seven Upton Park Cup wins most goals in Upton history 13 goals in 16 Marathis Big game player. Yeah, um, John was his pace was his big thing. He was over short distances. He just he just leave people for dead. And when he got in front of goal, he just finished. He was uh, uh, he, he was a complete striker to me. And it, but he liked playing with a centre forward. He played normally with Colin uh, coming through in, in the early years of Saints. And of course, Colin would beat everybody in the air. He'd flick it on, and John Loveridge would would be gone. And I watch people. I watch like our Rio side now, you know. And you see Dom Yome jumping for the ball. I don't see one of our midfield players or forwards looking to run onto that. Dom's going to win it. He's going to just knock it off the top of his head, and they don't move. You know, John Loveridge would just wait. As soon as I was jumping, he was gone, and you didn't catch him. And uh, yeah, he was a tremendous goal scorer, and uh, but <laughs> he was one of these people that he couldn't really be bothered more than that. He turned up here at the start of one season, and uh, I think I told you this about Wally before, um, and he got in the dressing room and he went like that to do his boots up, because he hadn't been training or anything like that, he didn't like training, <laughs> and uh, he... Um, he went and his boots and his laces snapped. His boots were filthy. He never cleaned his boots after a game. When he was living with, when he was a nipper, and his mum used to do them, I think. But he, uh, <laughs> John was, but he he was just a superb goal scorer, out and out goal scorer. How did he enact with his father, who was the coach of your team for a long time? Uh, they used to shout at each other a little bit, <laughs> um, and uh, the worst, the worst, worst clash of, of them was, of course, was Colin Loveridge. And because um, he, he, he was some player he was, as well. He, oh, he'd, 
he didn't play for uh, he didn't play for Saints. He's always been the rebel. He played for uh, for North, and now and then he's, <laughs> his son now plays for uh, Rec. And um, and Jack used to <laughs> Jack used to have a, a go at John and one thing or another. But John John didn't really um, as you say didn't bother. But he was uh, very quiet, uh, but deadly finisher. I say his record against Jersey is phenomenal and against Jersey size in big games. Yeah. And the other thing was the other thing was he was very strong in the air. He wasn't particularly big, but he was very very strong in the air as well. And uh, but he spit. But it was his, it was his, he went away to Arsenal on trials, and they. I mean, I didn't know him before then. And then, what? what they reckon when he came back, he had an extra yard of pace. Uh, whether it was anything from what they did, or... Colin, you must have seen a lot of him as well at that time. I did, and uh, again, as a, as a youngster coming and looking at a player like that, that's exactly what Henry is saying. You know, actually, you couldn't sort of fail to realise that he was the man of the flick on. He was always. In that little gap, he dropped off, and then as soon as it was going up, he was gone. He didn't wait like Henry said, he was gone. And, you know, it's like, where did he come from between the centre-half and the full-back? Coming in from that wide position all the time, and he cut in. And one of the things was, really, as Henry says, is his taking of goals. It wasn't really stretchy or, 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 or flashy. It was just put in. It was like this sort of, I know where it's going, and that's where it's going to be put. And he just put it there, and he just turned away. And he wasn't even a big, um, uh, uh, you know, um, what's the word I want, you know, excited about his goals. He was oh, no, scored when no, he gone no. back to the mm. to the centre spot again. You know, was he, was he a bit selfish? Did he, did he create goals for you, Henry? Uh, not really. No. Of course, his one of his greatest days was a game which you played in. Though H was um, the nineteen sixty six replay at the track when he scored a hat trick. All scores, all Guernsey's goals. You presumably you made them all. From your flick, we all flick on as well. <laughs> Made one of them, I think. <laughs> Take all three. But he was, uh, yeah. no, he, he uh, well, you could have, you could have, your dad was playing in that one as well. He was, and, yeah. And uh, it was, um, they were, Jersey were always worried about John. They always, they really didn't have anybody with the pace at the back to, to stop him. And I think all, nearly all these goals came from that. And But as I say, he was also good in the air he, for, um, and of course, in late, later his career, he he was it, occasionally he, he played centre half. He could handle himself though, couldn't he? Oh yeah, he was he was. He never really got involved. <laughs> it was funny enough. He, like you say, he, if I scored a goal, I was jumping around all over the place. But uh, if he scored one, he just you know <laughs> jogged back again. You know, I hear in that story about his uh, his boots and all that stuff, and they were filthy and all that. You know, I think this must be something to do with the with strikers because. Strikers seem to have this sort of, you know, I know a lot of them are like this. It's like, well, you know, yeah, I've turned up, you know. I mean, Ray, who, for me, you know, would, you know, get in my top ten because I just think he was a fantastic, very blonde, amazing, yeah. Yeah. amazing goal scorer. I'll tell you, the only time that his boots got cleaned is yeah. when he paid me to do them. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, I, and I was just going to say to you, he was exactly the same. Yeah. Mark, I remember turning up at the track for a junior Opton against Tower. And we'd go and Ray picked me up in the mini. Yeah. And we got there and, you know, I, to be fair and real no, you know, I was a bit like Wally, you know, I had the spare laces, the yeah. spare tie-ups and all that stuff for everybody. Oh, my laces have broken. Fowl, you got any? Yeah, I got some, you know. Well, Wally was like that. I know you, Wally. Toro was Off. The, the man yeah. with the spare stuff. Yeah. But he got out the mini and he said, oh, I've got to get my boots. He said, he went in the back, you know, the little mini boot, opened it, full of all his plumbing gear and his pipes. And he's going, I know they're in here somewhere. <laughs> 
I'm not joking. And he pulled out these boots that were caked in mud. And we went to the dressing room and you threw them in the shower and turned the shower on. And then, oh yeah, they were caving out and you just uh, played a blinder. It's like, <laughs> what do you do about it? It's just, you're good. Different days, different days. Yeah. Right, we've two more to discuss. And next on our alphabetical list is the big fella himself, Colin Renoff, Henry, another one who you know very, very, very well. Um, 323 club appearances, 162 goals, seven times an opt-in winner, 17 Marathis, five goals. Um, most of those appearances, of course, were with St Martins and um, a very versatile player and also equally capable at centre-forward or centre-half. Colin Renoff. Well, you've had mentioned before... Um you know, Kevin could possibly have gone away and may some that may have played for England. I also think if Colin had gone away uh, when Arsenal wanted him, uh, I think he could easily have gone that far because he had absolutely everything. I mean, his physique, his pace, his uh, passing of a ball, and <laughs> and you say about Peter Blondel could hit a ball. Well, I can remember down the track about. 40 yards out, and Barry Bishop, they said to Barry Bishop, do you want a wall? No, thank you. Uh, Wumpf. <laughs> About two foot off the deck, right in the corner, and 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 old Vi Williams and that, she said, God, Barry, you should have put a wall up. You know, it would have made much difference. You know, tremendous. Uh, and for a person that off the pitch and on the pitch was two different people. On the pitch, Colin took no prisoners whatsoever. And uh, sometimes he got himself into trouble, um, but it was just his wanting to passion, passion to win. Um, I mean, you know, he got over a broken leg. He broke his leg up, up here in that gold mouth down the bottom, and uh, he built his built himself up. You know, he kept he was as fit as anything at the start of the next season. And uh, to me, he's the best I've ever played with. Um, you know, I didn't play with with uh, you know with Kevin or anything like that, but I've seen Kevin play, and I've got to agree with you that you know the the two of them. I'm sure if they'd have gone, the difference was I think Colin would have had the temperament where Kevin probably wouldn't have. Um, but Colin was uh, he was just exceptional. I mean, he was he was absolutely loved in Jersey. Everybody in Jersey loved him. Uh, Why was that? Because well, <laughs> I've taken the Mickey. They didn't love him. They hated him. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he um, he was uh, he was something different, Colin. Did Jersey fear him? Oh Christ, yeah, yeah, yeah. Without any shadow of doubt, the only person I've ever think that really sort of Colin never mastered um, was uh, Noddy Ruellen. When he used to play against Ruellen, I think those were probably Colin's hardest games. And Ruellen was a big, powerful, powerful guy. And uh, But Colin actually hated playing against the little ones. He hated playing against people like Keith Jeffries and little low centre of gravity, you know. Because you'd have to kick him a bit higher then. <laughs> <laughs> but now he was, Colin, to me, is Colin is my number one but of course, he also had a, he's got a great tactical brain, isn't oh. he, Colin? I mean, he studies the game so much. Was he like that as a player? Was he? Oh yeah, yeah. Was yeah. he like a, a a player coach in many ways? Well, Jack was the coach. Jack Loveridge was the coach. But really, Jack was the sponge man. You know, and that's not being disrespectful to him. He did it over years and years and years. But Colin ran all the tactics. You know, I mean, if we, if we were going to change 
we used to change from you know four 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 two to four three three, and it was always what Colin said. You know, Colin would say this and one thing, and he was he's, and then he went on uh, coaching wise. You know, he 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 had routines that players you know used to follow and one thing another, and uh, he as I say, my opinion, he's the best I've ever seen over here. Of course, he was a disciple of Jack Reddish um, at the college. Oh, yes, um, yes. Jack Reddish being a former professional footballer himself. Yeah. And uh, I know Colin still talks about what Jack Reddish told him when he was a youngster at the college. Colin, what do you think of him? Um, what do you remember of the big fella? Well, you know, uh, my, my sort of first... I remember the first time, really, when I sort of saw him as going on a pitch as a player and he was on the other team. And I thought, oh, my God, you know, this team have got a giant in their team. Like, I mean, he was just so huge, you know. And I think... Um, for me, as Henry says, it was the, it was like the command. It, it, it was the dominance of him, of his play, not what he said, just with his play. You know, he would just make the team click basically, and and, and sort of drive them on. You know, and but what a player as well. They're within the team. You know, and as Henry says, he could score goals. You know, he was fantastic in the air. He could defend, and on top of that, he had he had the uh, the attitude. And I think that's, again, where that's another 15%, 20%. When you're good, if you've got that attitude as well, then you're, you're just going to be 20% better. I just think that's, you know, a lot of young kids could learn that today. You know, they're, they're there, and just with attitude, they could be there. No better in technical, just attitude and apply. And, and I'm sure, you know, Colin is a light we've said of these people. Um, what we were talking about, Chris, you know, you, kids have got to look up to him and say, you know, that's a legend. And Henry was very lucky to have actually played with the guy for, for that long, you know, knows him intimately, and he, see, he saw him grow. And I think, you know, and, and to go on afterwards, by the way, and, 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 and take a, a young side to, you know, nine, seven, eight, nine. pre-O, you know, championships, mm. um, you know, it's a legend. He's, he is a legend. Yeah, he was before man. your time, Mark. He, he was, but I do remember him when, because um, I used to come and watch uh, all the Valrack games against Saints uh, in the late 60s and early 70s. So I do remember him, and, and obviously he was stand out. He was like a giant. You know, I was only uh, quite small then. So. Uh, uh, you know, and, and it's interesting. We've we, we've uh, we spoke about most of the top ten already. This is the first time we've mentioned the word legend. Any of us have mentioned, and I think uh, that speaks volumes because I think you know he is the standout player that in Guernsey has ever had. Um, but being from Guernsey, uh, I think has held him back as well. Uh, and that's probably why he didn't go on to become a yeah. professional footballer. Because uh, I, I only spoke to him last week about it, actually. Yeah. Uh, and, and it is a Guernsey thing. You know, he, he did get homesick. Um, and, and I know because Kevin and Carl had the same had the same problem. And, um, you know, and Guernsey, <laughs> Guernsey's too nice a place yeah. to live. Yeah. You know, and that's why the, the, the sports people, not just the footballers that have gone on from here to, to make careers um, for themselves, it's a, I think it's an even greater achievement when they're doing it from a place like Guernsey, you know, where, it, where it's a, such a fantastic lifestyle and, and to live here, to go on and achieve something um, you know, professionally in sport, I think is amazing. Two things stick in my mind about Colin, and one, first of all, from a playing point of view, is that I think the year before Rovers came to the Prio League it was probably 74, something like that, I was 16, coming up here, 
playing on the wing and that day was one if not the first game that Colin came back from his broken leg but certainly one of the first games and collecting the ball near the touchline by where those dugouts with my back to sort of the Saints back to the goal and hearing boom boom <laughs> boom boom and it was like a dinosaur up and I thought oh my god sort of turn around like this and sort of this giant of a man behind me. The sun got you know, and it was it was frightening. <laughs> but he was, but he was fantastic in the dressing room. As you know, he was um, a Rovers, um, a lovely man to work with. And one thing that strikes me about Colin is that he just hasn't lost his passion for football. You know, he's still there. He was there Saturday watching Sylvans on the touchline. He's still got this love for the game, and he's and he's got a. His brain for it is is, is superb. He, you know, he really knows his tactics, and I defy. I don't think there's probably anybody who could better him in terms of um, having a tactical knowledge of football. Well, he has some good, you know, Macwood and one thing or another. And I, they all played under Jack Reddish. You know, John Loveridge, Jerv, and him. Well, John Loveridge didn't play because he couldn't get in the team because he was too tiny. But um, you know, but that upbringing they had. And that was that. That was where I think the will to win came from, because Jack Reddish didn't lose, or he didn't like to lose, and uh, uh, I think that was instilled in him. I, I think actually you make a, a. I think you make a really, really good point, Henry. I must say that at that time, you know, the spine of your team with John, oh. Colin, and Jerv, yeah, they were all, all Jack winners. Reddish pupils, and yeah. they were all at the college together, and yeah. not being rude, you know, but. They are they are disciplined in a way that not all other pupils get, if you know what I mean. And particularly him, who was a real ogre on you know the, the oh. boys. So they came through with that, and I think they took that into the team, if, if you don't mind me saying. Yeah, so, yeah, oh yeah. You know, that was I, I that, think, that was where Saints' big strength was straight through the middle. You know, Lovebridge goals. Most good teams are. Yeah. That makes a difference if yeah. you've got that spine. Yeah. Well, moving on from the post-war legend that is Colin Renoff to somebody who was a pre-war legend, um, or between the wars, we should say, um, William Busty War. Now, none of us here are old enough to have seen him play, but he was very much an outstanding player. Northerners was his club. 181 appearances right through the 20s and into the early 30s. Now, and you could probably double that in today's... Um, in today's market, they'd play very few games in their time. He won seven seven Uptons, voted greatest ever Northerner player, 17 Marathis, five goals as well. He played in several positions as a Marathi player. Um, Colin, you've obviously heard a bit about the, the legend that is Busty War. Um, what can you well, tell us? What, what I've read about him, really, um, is I'm, I think it's fair to say that without seeing him, I think you can you can put him in that legend status of the time because certainly as a northerner though, he, he is a legend i mean there's no two way about it certainly interesting enough if you look at his marathi appearances and goals the same as colin renoff 17 and 5 so you know and and playing you know same position so it's like it's quite that's quite something because colin was a fantastic player you know and and Rusty scored as many goals as him in a marathi so i think it one of those you would have loved to have said oh, I wish I could have seen that guy play because what you read about him, and again, the way he used to run games, something, you know, the story we were talking to the other day about taking the team off and so on, you know, it was like he did something and everybody followed. Yeah. He was like that at that time. Just to remind people on that is that in 1931, Rangers and North were clashing in a Stranger Cup final at the track one Thursday afternoon. And um, 
when Frank Plattel, the North fullback, handled in the area, the referee decided it was a penalty and Busty wasn't happy, he protested. Quiet, said the referee, I'll send you off. And Busty turned around and said, you wouldn't have the nerve. Which riled the ref, who did send him off. <laughs> but that wasn't the end of it. Um, three of his teammates decided to walk off with him. You can't do that to Busty. So Frank Plattel, Cyril Bird and Arthur Leadbeater joined their skipper as a mark of protest. And off they went. They all got suspended for the rest of the season. Um, and that... Almost, it cost um, it cost um, Busty another Marathi cap, and as it was the end of his career, it sort of knocked a big, you know, it was a bit of a dent in his. Um, and they obviously lost career. the stranger as well, did they? They, on that day? they lost three-one. They apparently they were, it was a heroic effort by the North, but they finished the game with seven men because of course they also had another injury that day, and that's and um, seven men holding out for three-one. But um, that was the mark of, I think, of what other people thought of him. You know, he was. The man, and you look at some. There's one fantastic picture which you may well see in the paper when we get through to the top ten. We feature Busty. Is this North picture, North team of 1927, and they won absolutely everything. And Busty's in the middle of it, the front row, like this. And he wasn't Colin Reynolds' stature. He was probably about five ten, but you could tell he was the man in that team. He was the leader. Yeah, and of course, um. There's still some of his um, genes are still going to have been going in recent years. Um, Peter and Mark Wall, top snooker players, and his grandson is David Wall, the Ireland golfer, Ireland golf champion. Of, so um, yeah. you say about him taking the team off, it was the same as when uh, when we all got sent off down at the Corbett Field, um, Saint, <laughs> Saints and Wreck, and, oh, yeah, and uh, Tony Blondel um, kicked Colin. Kicked Colin. And uh, and it <laughs> and Colin went down on the ground and he went you what and I grabbed hold of Tony to stop him. I said I said I said you stay down there. I said if if you stand up, Colin. I said Colin will probably kill you. And he said <laughs> he said oh, I'll stay down here. Next thing I knew, out comes Mickey Fowler. The two Eldridges grabbed my arms. Mickey Fowler goes bang bang bang. Oh, and then Gorville was throwing people out in the air. And we all got sent to the dressing rooms. And, a uh, rough and tumble of 60s football. We got, went back to the dressing rooms and uh, I would, um, it was... Oh, Les Ingerwill. Les was the ref. He came and blew his whistle. He came up, come on, he said, we're going out again. And Colin Renoff just went, no, we are not. And Jack Loveridge said, what will we go? No. And that was it. We never went back out. And, and Rec didn't go back out either. Right, gentlemen, we've gone through those top ten by in alphabetical order. I'm going to ask you all, before we finish, for one or two players. You each allowed one or two players um, just to sing the praises of somebody who was not included in the top ten. Uh, I would have presumed has been in the top 100, but not necessarily so. So um, over to you, Colin, first. Who would, who, who would you have had in the top ten yourself? Ray Blondel? Yep. Ray would have been in the top for me because... Um, Again, you know, I, I love goal scorers and, you know, I think Ray was a class goal scorer again, you know. Funny thing is, he, doesn't, he didn't have pace. Um, you know, a bit like Henry was saying, John didn't really have pace, but he was quick over that first, that first few yards. Ray's game was position. He just knew how to read a game. He just was in the right place all the time. And it was all, you know, you think he was never really rushed? No, he never really no. rushed when he, when he scored Ray. He just knew what he was going to do. The ball came to him. It was one touch and lots of times curled in 
that far corner just but he was good in, in the air as well for a, for a guy for who wasn't small, tall yeah. fantastic yeah. in the air you know but his presence of where to be on the pitch to me was was you know outstanding and uh, again um, yeah I played with him you know all those years through the juniors of Elric and into the junior opt and junior Marathis together and everything and you know yeah he, he was um, I mean I think yeah. the influence that he had as well on on players around him um, makes him stand out as well um, oh. I know back in 91 Varric um, won the first of their their run of uh, of championships uh, and Ray played in that side he couldn't run you know, he, uh, he, he, and we just carried him through. But his influence and uh, and helping the youngsters through made made a big difference. Um, and, and obviously, he used that that when he went into coaching as well. And uh, you got the best out of, uh, of players, mediocre players. I mean, the year that they won the Varick won that league, I think there was 26 players qualified to win uh, a medal. Which is phenomenal because he had to play a third of the games. So he and he was able to influence enough people um, to play at a much higher level than than they would normally do so um, uh, to uh, influence to play well enough to to win that league. So, uh, Mark, who would you have had in the top ten if you'd have been given the choice? I think the one person that I would have higher up uh, and close to that top ten um, is Jamie Dodd. Um, uh, his influence over the last 10 years and uh, at the level that he's played at as well um, uh, over the 10 years uh, and, the, and his influence on the team uh, I think has been uh, exceptional uh, he has grown year on year uh, as well and got better and better and uh, even a now war character, yeah um, yeah he's, he's got he, he, even uh, even now, where you know he's into his thirties, his reading of the game uh, is exceptional uh, compared to where he was ten years ago, where he relied on on his pace and his strength. And um, so I think I think Jamie, for me, for playing at the level that he's at, played at, um, which of course all, all these other players that we've talked about, apart from Ross, uh, never had the opportunity to play at, at the higher level. Um, and playing a UK league, so which is a real shame. I can imagine some of those players that we've been talking about today have been able to have an opportunity yeah. to play week in, week out, and how good they would have been, how much better they would have been. Oh. Uh, it's it's, it's uh, frightening, really, isn't it? Oh, yeah. You know? yeah. Henry, who would you have had in that top ten? Probably I would have had Wally Torrid, because I've never played with anybody who's... Um, as dedicated as him, I mean, everything was always had to be right with Wally. Um, and I said it before, you know, if we were tired, give the ball to Wally, he'll keep it for five minutes. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and he had that ability, and uh, he just there was no no side to him or anything like that. He didn't get involved in anything, and um, he uh, he was just a complete and utter, like I said, professional playing in an amateur game. And uh, I, but when you look. At some of the other people there, you know, you think, well, you're not you're not picking a team as such. I think if you if you had to pick a team from from these, it'd be totally different, wouldn't it? Les you Collins know. would have been your probably your winger, wouldn't he? In oh this, yeah, Les, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, Les Collins would have been for sure. Uh, but I th I felt Wally should have been um, higher than what he was. But 
you know, once again, that's that's my own personal opinion. I've always had that. He was top 25 anyway, so... Yes, yeah. The, the yeah. very, very high level. Colin, you had another yeah, thought? Yeah, yeah, I do else. have another one, I think, who, who I think, again, definitely well up there. In fact, you know, he might even sneak into my top five, and he's not even in the top ten. Um, Dave Lesbrook. I think Ginger was, again, a, a, an absolute class footballer. You know, um, and, and I think... Part of that, I mean, part of it was, you know, I was a young kid when he was, I was 17, you know, and he was playing in that team when he was like about, you know, 22, 23, then he was like really class and, you know, you came in and saw those players and although in fairness, um, a bit like Henry will know if I tell this story, when I first played in the very first game I played for Valrec and he was playing, within about five minutes I got ripped off, you know, because I gave the ball away and he gave me it, you know, he gave me one of his, one of his verbal, you know, what you're doing, you know, you can't get in this team if you can, and all that. And of course, I gave him one back, which I shouldn't really have done. <laughs> uh, you wouldn't have liked that. I sort of said, you know, you know, well, what do you think you've done? You know, so I got the ginger thing. You know, so you knew what he was like. He had this passion to play, but that was just the beginning. But when I saw him go on and play, as we carried on going on, and sort of so much from him, and I had so much admiration for him as a player. He was the one player that when we played against professional teams, he lifted it to their level. Often after the game, you get a, how's that bloke? The coach, you know, the manager will come and say, you know, he, often that was said, honestly. And he was a player who, when we played at these levels, he lifted it. And for me, um, he, yeah, I, I think he's an absolutely tremendous player. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, thanks for your time this afternoon. It's a lovely sunny, sunny day at Blanche Pier Lane. Um, it was good discussing a bit of old football and the old footballers. And um, so, once again, thanks a lot. Thank you, Rob. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.